everyone, and welcome back to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, where we talk about every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, as well as plenty of other things along the way. My name is Ellie. And my name is Jenny. And we're bringing you Black Magic today, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is another episode of Battle City Duels. Magic battle, magic battle. Yeah, magic battle. I wasn't super looking forward to, but it turns out that more stuff happens in these than I remembered, so. Oh, I was looking forward to it, and to be frank, I wasn't disappointed. We'll get into, like, my one or two quibbles, but I think, especially yeah. after, like, a little bit of a bummer last episode, I I really enjoyed this, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, do we have anything else we want to talk about um, before we get started with the episode? I mean... This is, it's just occurred to me, this is our first episode recorded in 2023. So how was your your New Year's? Oh yeah, it was nice. It was very chill. It was very chill. New Year's is like a friend who I live near um, their birthday. And so just like went to like a very chill birthday party and like played Mario Kart until the new year. Uh, So yeah, how about yours? Again, very chill. I really didn't do anything. I almost Mm. thought I was going to meet up and hang out with a friend who's lives in New York, but was in town with her parents for briefly. But then mm. the scheduling didn't work out and she got sick and had to leave early. And so we didn't meet up and it was very sad, but it's okay because Bummer. we see each other like every week for D&D online. So it's not, even though it would have been cool to meet up in person, it was still, we had a fun time. But yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't really do anything. I just hung out. Yeah, Ellie, do you have any New Year's resolutions? That's what I was literally just about to say that. Do you have any <laughs> New Year's resolutions? I do. I'm not sure they're, like, podcasting material. No, then just, like, one or two that are, like, interesting. I really want to get back to learning Greek this year because at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, as soon as when COVID started and lockdown started, everybody was like, I'm going to learn a language. Well, I picked mm-hmm. Greek um, because my, my mom is from Greece. Um, she was born there and stuff. And I so I know like a little bit, a few words here and there. And I know how to read the letters and things like that. And then I started trying to learn it. And then I just kind of like fell off of the wagon. And now I've forgotten most of what I learned, which kind of sucks and has also left me like, how do I start learning again? But I really want to because in October of this year, we're going to go to Greece for about a month. Oh, nice. And I really want to learn some and then practice while I'm there with extended family members because that would be a good opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I feel like I should know a language that's not English. I just feel like that would I feel like that's just a good thing for a person to know is to speak a foreign language. And I'm jealous of people who can speak more than one language. So, Ooh. Oh, that seems like a very reasonable goal then. And it's like nice that there's like a tangible goal end. Because that's the exactly. hardest thing with resolutions when it's just like, I just want a resolution because. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, mm. And my other New Year's resolution is that this year I want to start posting um, art online more actively. And I'd like to nice. start taking commissions and maybe like make some money off of my art, which I think that's a pretty achievable goal from where that I'm at right now. It's just a, more a matter of getting organized <laughs> to Very do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, so those are my resolutions. Also, I want to exercise more, but that's everybody's New Year's resolutions. It's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, not mine. I feel pretty good. <laughs> no, yeah, you're at the gym all the freaking time. I I know this about you. I am. Anyways, what about you? Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I have two big ones. One is which I'm trying to read, and I know you're going to be like, eh, but I'm trying to read two books a month, uh, one nonfiction and one fiction. No, that's actually super valid because I read like almost nothing last year when I used to be a huge reader. So that that's another resolution of mine is to read more actively. Yeah, I read about 10 last year, so I'm trying to up it and I'm trying to balance out fiction, nonfiction because I read a lot of nonfiction. So I'm trying to get back into fiction. I'm hoping there'll be like one or two series that I get into. Um, then my other one is related to my house. I actually want to rip up the front part of half of my front yard and turn it into a native plant garden. Awesome. So that's my like long-term goal. Yeah. So I think both of them are achievable. Like I already, like, I think my family is going to come up from Indiana and help me with the garden thing. And then the books thing, it's kind of easy because I get my nonfiction one kind of naturally through the book club that I'm in. I'm in a leftist book club and we read a lot. Mm-hmm. We read nonfiction books. Then for fun reading, I already have like a couple fiction books and I'm like starting one with one that's like a little smaller. So like, yeah. I think it's, I think they're achievable and most importantly, they're fun. So yeah, those are my resolutions. Yeah, I think we have, we have chosen some very good and very achievable resolutions. Let's 
high five for doing those things. Woo! <laughs> All right, so let's get started talking about Battle City Duel number two, right? This is like the second main duel. Uh, yeah, it just, I mean, the this doesn't third. matter. It literally does not matter. I don't know why I even said that. I just started the sentence and then felt like I had to finish it. I know. I was like, oh, dang, now I have to think about that. But I'm glad we don't have to because that sounds like we're good. You don't have to think about it. I absolve you. I absolve you from the responsibility of thinking. <laughs> Excellent. I fucking love not having to think. Oh, and by the way, I haven't, didn't say this yet. This duel is three episodes long and we're going to be covering it in two episodes of our podcast so we're going to be splitting it off about halfway through the uh, second episode of this duel our first episode this week is episode 60 of duel monsters it's called uh, dark magician user pandora in japanese and the english title is master of magicians part one it aired on june 19th 2001 in japan and february 8th 2003 in the US. We open, before we can get to the titular magician stuff, we open on a scene which I found completely delightful in every way. I want you to know, this is literally one of my favorite scenes in the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, and I totally had forgotten that it came this episode. So it starts the episode, too. I thought it was one of those like weird like inter-duel scenes. So it starts, and I was like, fist-pumping, whooping. Strong start. A random dual punk, to borrow your phrasing from last episode, is beating up a random guy in an alleyway saying that he won the duel, but your rare card isn't cool enough for me. You should have had a better card. A whistle blows to stop their argument because Commissioner Mokuba is here to help resolve the debate. And he's like, I'm in charge of resolving all rules arguments. (laughs) It's great because he comes in in the dub. He just comes in screaming, dueling foul. <laughs> That's that. I love that. I love him so much. When the dual punk guy is resistant to this, Seto Kaiba is also here. He shows up dramatically and he says, if you insult my little brother, you insult Kaiba Corporation and you'll have to pay the price. <laughs> I love it. I love the two of them working together to keep to lay down the law. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. So Kaiba has this briefcase that's full of rare cards and he opens it up and he tells the punk guy, I'll challenge you to a duel and you can use as many of these rare cards as you want to build up your deck. Of course, the guy's very excited. He goes nuts on the rare cards. We immediately cut to them. They're ready to duel. And the guy's like, damn, you can't believe you let me use all of those rare cards. And Kaiba with his eyes very wide, like, bugging out, is like, I'll show you a god. And we skip over the actual content of the duel, but suffice to say, Obelisk, the tormentor, is summoned. We see it hovering over the city, and this guy gets destroyed, and the Kaiba brothers smugly walk away. <laughs> a delightful scene. Yeah, my uh, one other note for the scene was great insane Kaiba face, because, like, the face when yeah. he's like, I only need one card. It's just, like, a great feral insane Kaiba face. That's all you can yeah, say. Feral moments. This scene has everything. It's short. It's sweet. We don't actually see dueling. It's got brotherly bonding. It's got Kaiba acting unhinged to somebody who deserves it. Literally yeah. just everything I love about Yu-Gi-Oh. Incredible. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, my last note for this scene is Kaiba walks away thinking about how with Obelisk, he's going to make everyone kneel before me. And then Yami Yugi's head appears in the sky, like over him, because he's like, especially you, Yugi. And I was like, great. We also slipped in the little homoeroticism. We get it. You're gay. <laughs> we have another setup scene in which intriguing things are revealed. Next after this, we see Merrick in his ominous dark room, which is clearly like the head of his villain operation. I wonder where this is. We never find out, I don't think, but I'm just like, where is this? Is it in some abandoned warehouse? I think we, when Merrick enters the equation physically, I think we get more like, we don't get like exact coordinates, but we get more we of a sense. We might get a sense of where it is. Yeah. I mean, who even knows where Domino City is, so who knows? <laughs> so Merrick is talking to one of his lackeys, someone who... I forgot this is the first place which he appears, but he will be more important later. A man with a tattoo on his face, um, who's, I don't, I mean, is is it a spoiler to say a character's name? They name him in the dub. They name him in the dub? Okay. In the sub, they don't, but his name is Rashid in the sub. 
In the dub, it's Odeon. Yeah, which is a really stupid name. <laughs> which Rashid is like a perfectly normal. That's another name where I'm like, why didn't... It's like a normal hu- human name that people have. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, maybe it's just like a little racist. And they're like, that sounds a little Islamic or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because I'm... he's Egyptian. God forbid yeah. that our Egyptian characters have names that sound like what an Egyptian person's name would be. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I mean, Merrick, we're calling him Merrick because we're just so used to it that we couldn't say it any other way. But it's probably supposed to be Malik with an L because of the Japanese LR thing. And Malik Mm -hmm. is like a pretty common name. And and the name means king in Arabic, which kind of has some resonance with him wanting to be the pharaoh and shit like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably supposed to be Malik with an L, but we're going to say Merrick because we're both so used to it in the fandom. Um, yeah. So anyways, Rashid, he, Egyptian guy who seems to be Merrick's second in command, he walks up, he says, uh, Lord Merrick, Merrick Sama, I found out that Seto Kaiba is the person who wields uh, obelisk. And Merrick is like, that checks out. I thought so. And he thinks to himself, I know you must be behind this. Flashback, we're in Egypt. Merrick has mind-controlled some random guy to open a box in a cave and remove uh, Ra, the god card. As he walks out of this cave in Egypt, we see Ishizu. She meets him. She says, our family has protected the pharaoh's secrets for 3,000 years, and now you're wasting our ancestors' sacrifices. She's trying to stop him, basically warn him about taking the god card away. Merrick is like, they sacrificed all of that and for what? Someone had to break the family tradition and I'm going to free our family from their destiny. Interesting. So, and he calls her sister. So we have received the reveal that Ishizu is Merrick's older sister. And um, she says, like, are you really going to face off against me? Like, we both wield Millennium Items. And it seems like he's he's not willing to, like, actually attack her with dark magic or whatever at that point in the flashback. So they split up. In the dub, um, it's a little different. Yet again, they're like, 5,000 years ago. Well, we already <laughs> talked about that. But I think, yeah, we can take that as red. Our family swore to protect the Pharaoh's tomb. Who knew the greatest threat would come from one of ours? Why are you trying to steal the Pharaoh's power? And he's like, I could use it better. But... A lot of that destiny and talk of sacrifice is not really mentioned at all, though they do mention the god cards a bit. So it's the same basic, I, I guess, sort of similar stuff, but like a different emphasis on exactly the points of it. Because like it is true, Merrick is trying to steal the Pharaoh's power. Like that gets brought up in the sub as well. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We we obviously have known this, but this like us, me and Jenny kept having to edit out ourselves from saying it but this is the first time the show has revealed that Ishizu is Merrick's older sister thank you I always love when these reveals happen and I'm like thank you editor Ellie you won't have to be like god damn it god damn it yeah I had to cut you off once from because you called him Merrick Ishtar and I was like we don't know his last name yet that's a spoiler embarrassing (laughs) it's okay it's hard his full name just sounds good too Merrick Ishtar sounds good it does it's a cool name. It does. I don't know if we have like many listeners who are dedicated to remaining spoiler free or spoiler light because we do spoil tiny things here and there. But if you are out there, um, I hope you appreciate <laughs> that mm-hmm. we do this. Um, yeah. So anyways, Merrick orders the other rare hunters to get Pandora the Illusionist ready to duel. And that's the end of our Merrick scene. Cut from there to Shizuka in the hospital. Honda is there. He's on his motorcycle, which I think you said at one point, are we ever going to see Honda's motorcycle again after the that one episode? Here it is. He, he still has a motorcycle confirmed. So she she's like, hey, Honda, when I get my bandages off, um, when my eyes have finished recovering and I can see again... Will you take me around on a tour of Domino City and show me all the cool places? But I want the very first thing I see to be my brother dueling. And Honda's like, yep, I'll do that. And they just kind of agree on that. And it's actually a pretty cute little scene. Mm -hmm. Cut to Yami Yugi. He's looking at the Red Eyes Black Dragon card that Jinochi gave him. He and Yugi have a brief like mind conversation that's basically just recapping how Jinochi gave him the Red Eyes. Um, and then they see a creepy clown. <laughs> uh, it's like a Harlequin, basically. I feel like yeah. it was very deliberate, like Harlequin-esque rather than like, just a clown. 
They're actually kind of cool design, though very annoying because, like, I'm very confused who this... Well, I mean, we'll get to it, but who is this? I don't know. Yeah, is it Pandora in a clown outfit that he then quick changes out of? Or is this a different person? I mean, that'd be funny, but in the dub, he explicitly is like, you have to go see my master in the tent. Oh, okay. Which, so it'd be very funny if, if it was, um, and this is gonna be annoying, he has a different name in the dub, so I might accidentally slip up. Arcana, right? Yeah, it's Arcana in the dub. Yeah. Um, just say whatever you want, I'm gonna say whatever I want, and the listeners just know that when we say Pandora and Arcana, we're talking about the same dude. Our usual approach. So anyway, I think this might be the the person that Yugi duels in. I think you're right. It might be him in the costume, but, but that makes what he says on the dub funnier, where he's like, my master's waiting for you. Oh, in the sub, he has no lines. He's like a completely silent clown who just gestures. <gasps> but he's wearing a mask, so they have the freedom to, like, add any lines. Okay, in the dub, he's like, my master's waiting for you. Go to that tent. I guess they were like, the kids will not understand a man pointing unless we also add in him speaking. <laughs> well, okay, I think it's more of like, they were like, why would Yami just be like, all right, I'm gonna follow this Harlequin's direction. So he's yeah. like, hey, there's somebody who wants to duel you in there. And Yami's like, all right. That's fair. Okay, yeah, I'm interested in a duel because it's Yami. So he's like, boop doop doop <laughs> I mean, this is a tournament. His whole goal is to find people to duel right now. I can't exactly blame him. He needs six locator cards. Although it is very funny to imagine Pandora pretending to be his own servant and then quick changing into his regular outfit. I think in the dub, it's supposed to be just like some guy who's also a rare hunter because like Merrick has a whole bunch of lackeys running around. So mm. Yami goes into the circus tent. Oh, Anzu and Grandpa are like also there. This is the return of pointless Anzu walks around looking for Yugi scenes, except now Grandpa is also there this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you remember how we we had all of these scenes that were like, Anzu's walking in the streets and can't find Yugi, and they're back now. Like, I don't understand this. It's, it's a weird decision to me. At least there's two of them, I guess. At least they have a buddy. They see Yami walking into the tent. They're like, where's Yugi going? They get there, like, just as he walks up into one of those magician disappearing boxes with the question marks on the outside. I don't really know what this is called. The dual monsters card version of it is the trap card mystic box. So he walks into a mystic box mm -hmm. and then it closes on him, falls apart and he has vanished. He is not there anymore. I do want to talk about, so this is, this is like stage magic, right? Like he got, he went under in a trap door, presumably. Yeah. Because there is also real magic in this show, so I just want to know if Pandora actually has magic powers or if he's just a... In the dub, every time he, something does, he explicitly is like, that's just a trick that I pulled. So, like, they definitely okay. don't go for that thing. Because a huge theme of the duel in the dub is that he's like, you're a trickster. You don't depend on your um uh, your cards and you don't actually, like, believe in magic or trust magic. You just, like, know sleight of hand and mm -hmm. are an asshole. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I would have just appreciated two seconds of Yami being like, ah, a trap door it, it, or something like that in order to establish how he gets from the magic box to the basement we see him in two seconds later. Mm -hmm. um, cut to the Kaiba brothers. They're still walking around in the city. Apparently uh, Kaiba has a monitoring system where every tournament participant, their dual discs have like GPS technology embedded in them. So he can pinpoint the location of where everybody is. And Mokuba is like, hey, um, the people who work in the surveillance room or whatever just told me that Yugi's mark has disappeared from our tracking system. Which I do like that everybody who works for Kaiba Corp knows that this is something that they should tell Kaiba. <laughs> They're just like, oh shit, we lost Yugi. And he's like, <laughs> everybody's like, oh my god, he's gonna be so upset. And Kai was like, okay, thank you for telling me. Have the people keep an eye out for him. He's probably underground somewhere because that would cut off um, the signal. Makes sense. Which is true. He is underground. Yami has arrived, like I said, in the basement of a card game store. There's a computer set up on a desk in front of him. The computer, I love how dramatic this whole thing is. So the computer shows his little duelist info page thing with his yearbook photo <laughs> picture and his level and then the picture of his rare card the dark magician it zooms in on the dark magician card the dark magician card turns into the 
palette-swapped, red-robed dark magician. All I, Okay, sorry, my note here wrote, dark magician, the cooler dark magician. Either or, <laughs> yeah. could be either or, but they're, they're going for that, clearly. It's a different colorway of dark magician, who then emerges from the screen in a hologram and starts to yell at him about how, like, you must face my master in battle, in dueling, or whatever. Enter Pandora, the enemy of this episode. He's a rare hunter um, who claims to be the superior Dark Magician user. We should probably describe, like, his design or whatever. Absolutely. He's a fancy magician man. Yeah, he's got a mask, which will come up in a bit. He's wearing a red suit, some truly very intense shoulder pads. Yes, sharp. Crazy sleeves. He's a pointy bitch. And a black and blue striped mask and um, and huge like bow tie giant bow tie yeah giant bow tie matches the mask i do like this design i think i think pandora's cool looking i actually love his design and like it's hard to emphasize the mask is huge like i mean not in terms of covering his face but it has like almost these horn things that come it comes off of the side it's one of those harlequin masks yeah, yeah horizontally off his eyes it's a good look it's very cool design it's like simple but effective and like it's perfect. You look at him and you're like, I feel like he's some sort of magic man, but it's not like leaning too hard into like magician yeah. imagery. And like, like they could have gone for like top hat, yeah. like silk hat thing. And they were just like, this is a creepy little pervert. I don't know. I mean, he, he is wearing a top hat, but. But I mean, you know what I mean? They could have like lent in, like just gone for a magician, you know? I know what you meant. Yeah. And it, it also, um, he, I think his big, big shoulders are supposed to look like the dark magician. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he has a magician deck. He says he's the superior dark magician user. At this point, I wrote, I was like, oh my god. I immediately clocked that his Japanese voice actor sounded super familiar. And I was Ooh. like, why is his voice so familiar? Because I don't usually watch, I don't watch a ton of anime. And I almost, with very few exceptions, I you almost always watch the dub. I was like, is he somebody else who's also, is he someone else in Yu-Gi-Oh? Why can't I get it? And so I looked him up. And he voices Dio in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <gasps> oh my god. So he is Dio Brando. And he is doing... The actor's name is Takahito Koyasu. And he is doing the exact same voice with, like, you know, dramatic villain tone, which he will later use to play Dio. So, like, it's just Dio talking. And I was like, of course, that makes sense. Because I've watched a lot of JoJo and I don't watch the dub. So that would be like the other show where I would actually recognize people's voices. Plus, it's a pretty distinctive performance. I love that. Not just familiar in terms of, oh, it happens to be the same voice actor, but same kind of voice too. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's doing the same voice. Like if you if you watch a clip from this episode in Japanese, you'll probably be like, oh yeah, I can completely hear that. Because I think you've seen, uh, you've watched some JoJo, right? Yes. Yes. So you're... And I does anybody watch the dub of JoJo? Like, I think the whole fandom hates it. I mean, I have watched the dub, but, like, the sub is so famous. Yeah, no, the dub... Honestly, I really like the dub, too, but, like, the sub is just so fun. That's actually... I almost always just watch dubbed anime, but that's one of the few ones where I've also watched the sub. I tried to watch the JoJo dub, but I couldn't handle the bad British accents. That's fair. I just didn't watch the dub of the first two. That's how you get it. Well, I mean, Joseph is also there in, in Stardust Crusaders doing the same bad British accent. No, they Americanized his accent in th- in three. Did they really? Well, then that also bothers me. Well, because he's been living in America for forever. I guess. That's what happens to people's accents. They move and they, like, change. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not necessarily, though. Okay, my uncle Nat moved from New York to London when he was, like, 30, and he still sounds exactly as stereotypically New York Jewish guy accent as he did when, as I would imagine that he did, and you would never guess that he was from London. It just depends on the person. Not everybody's accent changes. But I also know people that have moved from London when they were, like, 8 to 10, and, like, when they were kids had a, had an accent, and then, like, now they almost don't. Like, occasionally will pronounce words differently or slip into it, but it's, like... It really just depends That's on how fair. you socialize. But I feel yeah. like if you move when you're like 30, you're less likely to have your accent changed. This is so off topic. Um, <laughs> I am interested though. Like that's true. It's like, I, I feel like it just depends on who you socialize with daily too, because language and expression mm-hmm. is very like, you naturally reflect the people around you. So like if you're mm-hmm. in a community or like a family where you're still talking mostly like of the day with people that have the same accent yeah. as you, you're just not going to like bounce off as much. I definitely pick up... I definitely pick up a lot of words and phrases and things from 
people that mm-hmm. um, I'm around. I've noticed I started to accidentally use British spelling sometimes because most of the people that I message with on Discord and most of the stuff that I've been reading because I've been so into Doctor Who fandom lately and it's like mostly British and Australians in my my Discord community that I'm in for Doctor Who fans mm-hmm. and also like reading books and stuff and fanfic it's all British and I accident I caught myself accidentally using British spellings <laughs> nice I don't know that's interesting to me though I like that anyway all right um where am I at in this thing what I was saying was basically just that I enjoyed very much the performance and listening to him because I could tell that it was Dio and he's killing it. He's going full hammy villain voice. So it was fun. It, it, it added a little fun spice to this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yugi accepts his challenge to duel and Pandora says he's prepared a very special duel arena because Merrick said not to let Yami get bored. We have to entertain him. And I wrote down, we must provide enrichment for the Pharaoh. Honestly, stupidest thing is that they're like, don't go to a secondary location. But he's like, all right, secondary location. Okay. Yeah, so they get downstairs to the secondary location to Pandora's spooky magician basement. He set up this dual arena. There's a bunch of spooky magician themed stuff like spikes and handcuffs and everything hanging from the walls. Way too many curtains. You know, I'm just like, what is this even supposed to cover? But, you know, part of the vibes. They start the duel. First, they have to, you know, cut and shuffle their cards. And Yugi is like, you're shuffling wrong because he's using some kind of different technique of shuffling, which apparently can damage the cards. I just want to say that this concern for, like, the physical qualities of the cards just distracts me because then I start thinking about how nobody in this show uses card sleeves, which is what actual card game players use in real life to protect their cards from getting physically damaged. And I just find it weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're so worried about, like, the proper shuffle technique, why don't you have card sleeves, you know? Like, I, I'm i pretty sure they'd invented them in 2003. I, I don't know if there's a sub-equivalent to this, but also when they're, like, cutting each other's deck, Arcana's pulling this stuff where he's like, oh yeah, like, you should never trust your opponent unless you're the one cutting their deck or you're the one shuffling their deck. And Yami goes, I've also heard a phrase, and, like, dramatically pauses, and then just says, never trust anyone who wears a mask. <laughs> and I was just like... Okay, that well-known phrase. I was like, I don't think that's a phrase, Yami, but you know what? I feel like the four kids writer, like, thought they did something there and definitely didn't. (laughs) Okay, good lesson for kids, I guess. What happens next, Ellie? I mean, things can't possibly escalate in any hilarious way. (laughs) Suddenly, machines come out of the wall and shackles come over their ankles and pull them back. They are trapped, stuck to the wall. Um, by these big metal shackles, both Yami and Pandora. And then Pandora is like, this is my special escape magic show. And buzz saws emerge from the wall. So they're in this, because this is a little bit hard to describe, but they're in this, it's a circular arena. There's a slot and then there's these saws and the saws start off in the middle and move around the circumference of the arena towards the two duelists. The saws are marked with numbers, and Pandora explains that as your life points fall, the extremely sharp buzz saws will draw closer and closer. Uh, so if you lose, if your life points drop to zero, your legs will get chopped off by knives, <laughs> by these, you know, by saws. You will have your, your legs will be chopped off at the ankle, but there's also a box at your feet where if you win, the box will unlock and you can take out the key to um, unlock yourself. So so um, how does Four Kids <laughs> and their censorship handle this, by the way? So this is pretty hard for, you know, I, I want to put myself in the shoes of a Four Kids executive and be like, all right, we can't show potential leg amputation to these American children. They would just die immediately, which is true, you know, a delicate children. But they're like, you know, we do want some... Uh, you know, consequences for this duel. So how about everything's the same, except we put a blue filter over the discs. And instead of like saw blades, we call them dark energy discs. (laughs) It's basically like now like this like glowing flat blade. Anybody who was watching this, like even a kid would be like, that is a saw blade going to like take their legs off. But instead it's like, oh, as soon as it touches you, it will send you to the shadow realm. But everything like being locked in, being able to escape, all that kind of stuff. But but, and they keep on going like the dark energy discs. And it's just it's such a farce. It's fucking hilarious. Like 
we've talked before about how, like, lots of especially the gun removals are, like, silly, but actually as a kid, you probably, even though the pointing looks kind of stupid, you just don't even really think about it. This one, like, there's no way kids weren't like, oh, and it's going to chop their legs off. Like, I bet if I was, like, yeah, I would have been like, they'll also go to the Shadow Realm, but they'll also have their legs chopped off. Because, like, it keeps the, like, whirring motion, their discs. It's so comical. It is so fucking funny. Dark energy discs. I, I love that. I mean... I do appreciate you saying put yourself in the shoes of the four kids executive because you're absolutely right. There's no possible way you could cut around or easily edit this to not look like saws. But I love that they 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 tried. They gave it the old college try. Good for them. Good for them. Also, um, his name isn't Pandora anymore. So does the dub cut this? Because there's a bit here which you could totally cut because it doesn't really add anything where he's like, I named my stage name Pandora after the Greek myth of Pandora's box. And then you get these like painted shots of him telling us the legend of Pandora and how she unleashed all the evils from the box. But the only thing left was hope. And he's like, this is Pandora's box because your only hope is the key. That's completely cut. That would have been too intellectual for American children once more. (laughs) I mean, if that's what I would have done if I was the four kids editor and I have already, we have already committed to not calling him Pandora and calling him Arcana instead, which is a pretty arbitrary change, but like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I think that's a good exercise in empathy. I think we should have our little, let's put ourselves in their shoes. Oh, there's actually, there's two more dub changes that are like censorships. One that I think is legitimately, I'm like, I get it. And another that I think is incredibly stupid, this duel. Okay, I'll be excited to find out what those are. All right, so they're going to be saw-bladed or dark energy discs. Let's go. So at this point, the duel starts at about 18 minutes into the episode, which I noticed because I was like, damn, we had so much non-duel content. I appreciate that. Pandora's inner monologue reveals to the viewer that he knows a bunch of card tricks that you can use to cheat. And this one is called The Stripper, which I was like, okay, I'm sure they didn't call it that in the dub. And what you do is you strip your card. So you cut off a tiny amount of the top of a card in order to make it like slightly smaller than the other ones. And that means so that when you're shuffling, your finger will automatically stop on that card so that you guarantee that that card is on top. Mm -hmm. And he has so that he'll automatically start with Dark Magician in his hand. But Yami anticipated this. He's on those big brain plays. He's like, I know that because you shuffled in that one particular way, you wouldn't care about the integrity of keeping your cards safe. So I figured you'd probably do something like that and cut your cards. And so I figured you'd have Dark Magician in your hand. So a lot of talk for somebody who doesn't use a card sleeve. (laughs) I know, I know. That's why, like, that just bothers me. Like, as soon as you start talking about the actual physical card object as something that you need to be protecting, I'm just like, where are the sleeves then? So yeah, he plays a card that makes um, both of them discard their entire first hands in order to get that Dark Magician out of Pandora's hand. And Yami manages to heart of the cards, luck of the draw. He gets the Dark Magician in his new hand, quickly manages to summon it. He seems to be starting off strong, but Pandora probably has more tricks up his sleeve. That's where we end the first episode. Now we come to episode 61, which is called... Dark Magic of the Soul, which I thought was kind of a cool title in Japanese. And it's Master of Magicians Part 2 in English, of course. It aired on June 26, 2001 in Japan and on February 8, 2003 also. uh, The same as the first one in the dub. I noticed that the dub, all three of these episodes in the dub, their original air date is the same. I think they aired all three of them in one which is interesting, I guess, or not. Yeah, I think they had, like, a magician's event. I actually, I was thinking about this, and I feel like I sometimes have random memories of they would have, like, Yu-Gi-Oh events, like, Saturday morning events, where they would show, like, two to three episode duels, new ones all at once, and they would, like, Mm. advertise it for a couple weeks ahead of time. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was one, partially because for card game selling and, like, merch selling purposes, the Dark Magician is a big draw, and... Mm-hmm. Light spoiler, but another uh, important card gets revealed this episode that I know draws a lot of merch and is a very well-known card in the Yu-Gi-Oh world. Um, so I think they were kind of just like toy reveal. That makes sense. This would have been before Child Me would have started to watch Yu-Gi-Oh on TV around the end of this season in like oh. September, October 2003. Not that I have 
any memories, solid memories of watching specific episodes. But interesting. Because also, the way they aired it back in the day was they would do reruns of older episodes every day on the weekdays, and then they would have the new episode on Saturday. So they were like running a track of reruns on the weekdays. And then I would, I didn't watch. I don't think I watched it on Saturdays. Like, I didn't watch the new episodes because I wasn't caught up yet. I was just watching what they were showing in the reruns. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching Duelist Kingdom, like, on TV. Oh, nice. And I remember I would watch it, like, every day. It was, like, 4.30. And I think it, it aired pretty early in the morning. Like, I had to, I would have had to get up at, like, 8 o'clock to see the new episodes on Saturdays. I think I remember them being at, like, 9-ish. Because it was, it was a Saturday morning cartoon block. I didn't watch a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. Probably better for your brain. Mostly it was 4 p.m. Pokemon, 4.30 p.m. Yu-Gi-Oh! And then sometimes I'd stick around after it stopped being Kids WB and watch 7th Heaven (laughs) at (laughs) 5. Which I never understood any of at all because I didn't understand sitcoms in any way. Um, Yeah, that's my childhood memory. Anyway, the episode starts. Pandora, he's going hard on the whole illusionist theme. He talks about how Yugi is the sole audience member to his grand magic show. At this point, Yami said a line which made me laugh very hard and which I think the translation didn't quite capture because the manga version of this dialogue is that Pandora is like talking about how he's going to die and then Yami goes, so much for wanting a sympathetic audience, but in the... the, the, the anime must have been be doing it like word for word because the dialogue in the anime in my translation was like Pandora talking about how he's going to kill Yami and then Yami just goes I no longer have any sympathy for you and I was like that's a bit of a that's a bit <laughs> what a great harsh. setup I love that <laughs> but then when I read it in the manga the like oh aren't you supposed to have the audience feel sympathy then I was like okay now I get that that's actually responding to him saying Yami's his audience <laughs> anyway that's funny I didn't take the most detailed notes on this duel and the play-by-plays. I might intervene occasionally then, but we don't need a play-by-play, but something very cool is about to happen. Well, okay, I did write down that Pandora plays a card called Mystic Tomato, which I thought was fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I was talking about, but I agree that I love that. So he uses a trap card called Dark Renewal to consume both the tomato and one of Yami's uh, monsters and resurrect- Consume the tomato. (laughs) Resurrect Dark Magician from the graveyard- They both have Dark Magicians on the field. Obviously, they're evenly matched. Something will have to be done. Pandora puts Yugi's Magician in a guillotine trap card, but Yugi plays Magical Hats to get him out of it. So normally, I also don't really care about the card game, but Mm -hmm. this guillotine thing starts basically right before then. There's like two or three turns where all they do is put down face down cards until they both have Mm -hmm. four face down cards. And they're like all magic and trap cards. And they're basically like, magic battle like we were joking about magic battle it's obvious like dark magician versus dark magician but i actually really liked how they incorporated like oh it is like a magic battle in terms of we've got two monsters that are evenly matched now let's see how creative and like lucky we can get with the variety of traps and like yeah can you predict yeah how many counter spells you'll need i i just thought this whole sequence was actually really fun yet again mm-hmm. don't usually pay attention yeah. to cards but i actually wrote down every step because i was like ooh, this is fascinating yeah i agree with you actually and I think that this episode, it's hard to talk about every single play or anything like that, but it is a fun duel to watch if you like watching the card game dueling back and forth aspect of the show. I think this is mm-hmm. one of the good ones for that. The traps and counter traps and all of that. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Also, he plays, Pandora plays a card called Thousand Knives, which consists of throwing an absolute shit ton of knives and holding them like this with their hands over your chest. And I was like, it can't be a JoJo reference, but it, it's retroactively a JoJo reference because, of course, we have Dio's voice actor as Pandora. And it made me think of the scene where Dio throws all of those knives exactly like that yeah. at Jotaro. <gasps> oh, amazing. Yeah, but it can't be a reference because he played Pandora in 2003 and he didn't start playing Dio in the anime until like 2010. So it was an accidental JoJo reference. I love it. Accidental <laughs> reference. Incredible. Oh, I love But they that, actually though. drew Dark Magician holding the knives 
exactly like how Dio holds the knives in that scene. So maybe it was a JoJo reference, but they just didn't know at the time that it would become even more of one. Oh, I love that, though. That's incredible. But yeah, I just wanted to note that. Oh, there's a really funny moment after this where both of them say in unison in a split screen, they both say at the exact same time, my dark magician's been destroyed, monster reborn. And then they're like, wait, <laughs> yes, and yes. they both summon the monster. Very good. Just just an incredible sequence. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. It reminded me of one of my favorite, one of my favorite card game sequences in the entire series is actually in a filler arc. That happens the second to last filler arc, which is objectively an incredibly stupid arc. But there is a sequence then where there's a card that someone has to play where they have to guess how many spell cards they're going to use that turn. And they like gain or lose life points if they don't do that correctly. And they guess five and just do this incredible sequence. It's not a huge spoiler to say the person who does that is Kaiba and it fucking rocks. And this was very reminiscent to me of that where, oh cool. I don't know, it was just a really cool sequence where lots of magic's being used. I'm going to look forward to seeing that sequence whenever we eventually get there because... It's an incredible sequence made made even better by the fact that the animation is dog shit the entire <laughs> It's objectively some of the worst animation for one of the coolest dueling moments that happens in the series. Cool in terms of technical, not in terms of emotional yeah. impact. The emotional impact is just not there at all. But it's such a funny juxtaposition. But I digress. <laughs> nice. Also, another thing I wrote down, which is just funny to me, was at one point in this, or we're getting to what will be like Pandora's backstory reveal. And Yami, in order to sort of set this off, Yami says, like, someone who's as talented a duelist as you must have also been such a talented stage magician. And I'm like, does that track? Like, are those related skill sets? I don't really get it. Yami just assumes that everything is the same. Everything is just dueling. <laughs> With the dancing guy, Johnny Steps. He, he kind of looked at him and said, you know what? You're a great dancer. You're going to be a great duelist. And then was baffled when he was also a bad duelist. <laughs> he just assumes everything correlates. So Pandora's tragic backstory reveal. We get sepia-toned flashbacks of all this. Well, first, he takes off his mask. And we, the audience, do not see what's under the mask. But Yami's like, oh. And we get the impression that he is Phantom of the Opera style, horribly scarred underneath. So Pandora, he was a super famous stage magician. He's French also. He specifically says that he was from France. I don't know why we needed to know that, but it was funny. Just makes him even worse. His assistant, partner, person slash lover, not sure if they were actually together or if he was just in love with her. It's not clear. In the dub, they're engaged. Okay, that makes sense. He just says, like, my beloved Catherine was my partner on the stage. So it's 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 ambiguous whether or not they were actually together or, like, he just had a thing for her in the sub. Mm. But um, she was, you know, his magician's assistant. And then after a, a trick failed, he was injured and his face was horribly burned in some way. And she was ready to support him. We see him covered in bandages in the hospital bed. And she goes up and is like trying to comfort him. But he dismisses her and he pushed her away and told her to leave him forever. And only afterwards did he realize how much he missed her and should have accepted her support. That's why I thought that it might have been like he was in love with her, but she wasn't in love with him. Or like they, or he was in love with her, but they weren't together thing because... That seemed more like something that you would do if you weren't already dating that person. I don't know. But obviously it doesn't really matter. No, I think it, it actually kind of works in the dub because it's like we were in love, but I didn't let her support me. And I pushed her away because I was kind of taking this view of why would you still love me? I'm ugly. I'm a failure. And like actively pushing somebody you care about away. I think that's plausible. That's very interesting because actually... I think I assumed there had been a lot cut and that this backstory was radically different in the sub because I was like, this seems disjointed. I kind of figured she might have died and they either. No, she's saying there's no implication that she's dead or anything like that. She just left. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's similar in the dub. It sounds almost identical. Yeah. So Pandora's like, at my lowest moment, Merrick appeared to me. We literally see him like wandering through an alleyway covered in bandages and then boom, Merrick is there. Not sure what Merrick was doing in France, but okay. Uh, And Merrick promises like, if you follow me, I'll make Catherine love you again. I 
Okay, actually, like, can we just deep dive for a second on, like, yes. why Merrick recruited this guy? <laughs> why recruited him? Um, Merrick also said, uh, he's good at magic, so he must be, well, he's not even that good at magic since his trick failed, but, um, he yeah. must be good, he's good at magic, he must be good at dueling. I mean, maybe he was already, maybe it's not mentioned, but maybe he was also, like, already a duelist before. Yeah. And then, he, I guess, I mean, that could be the case. In the dub, he explicitly says Merrick's going to use the power of the Millennium Rod to make Catherine fall in love with me again. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. uh, 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 yeah, uh, gross. Sucks. Yeah, so I think he was already a duelist. Isn't everybody in this world also a duelist? He must have probably been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, um, we get a brief moment which where basically Yami Yugi attempts to offer romantic advice to this adult man, which is just extremely funny to me considering like who Yami is in general. <laughs> but he's like, why didn't you listen to your girlfriend? You should have just openly approached her and you don't need Merrick. You could just tell her how you feel and be open with her. <laughs> It's so, fu- it was so funny to me. I was like, you would know so much about this, Yami. In the dub, he just says, don't work with Merrick, he's gonna backstab you. But I do love the idea of Yami going like, you should trust your partner, which is true. He was like, I trust my partner, Yugi. Can't you trust yours? Same thing, basically. In dueling and love, same thing. Yeah. In love and in dueling. Exactly. I'm not saying that that's not a true. There's many romances that could be formed on a dueling field. Anyways, Pandora's like, that's okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not going to have to do that because Catherine is literally right here. And then he gestures to a curtain, which is lit up from behind. And there's the shape of a woman like sitting behind the curtain. And he's like, as soon as I kill you, Merrick is going to make her love me. She's like already here and ready for that. Wolf. Yami is like, what the fuck? But also suspicious of whether it's actually Catherine waiting behind the curtain. This is the halfway point of the episode, like the exact halfway point. So even though it's a little bit of a weird place to stop, this is also like where we should probably stop. And we can do the second half of the episode and this the third episode in our next episode. I think this timing is really good. So I'm okay with ending here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more just that there's not really a natural cutoff point in between, but we definitely couldn't have, I don't think we would have had enough material to do these as three separate episodes. So, so um, what did you think of this episode, Jenny? Um, Pretty good. This episode and a half, uh, pretty good. I think good setup. I love the bit. I love the battle of the dark magicians yet again. If we're going to have such duel-heavy episodes, I guess my one of my comments is the first episode actually has barely any dueling in it. It's a lot of setup yeah. that's fun. Interesting backstory. I like the design. It's good. We'll get into this a bit more in the next episode and a half. This is another one where it's kind of, this could have been two episodes instead of three, but it's less egregious yeah. than some other. It's honestly not that bad. No, it's really not. I thought it was pretty well paced. The Mokuban Kaiba stuff is great too, and it's good. It's going to be fun oh, yeah. looking forward as well. Yeah, I I agree. I like I think Pandora is a fun villain. Obviously, I had fun with him, his voice acting with his mm-hmm. the Dio voice actor doing the absolute most like campy villain shit. King shit. I like the setup of the entire, you know, knives or saws. I keep saying knives when I mean saw. You're thinking about Dio too much. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm thinking too much about Dio. Um the the saws, I like them. That entire trick trap setup. And also the part about the techniques for cutting the deck and stuff. That was quite season zero flavored to me, I guess. With like, here's this thing that this person's doing to cheat. And this elaborate murder trap that they've put you in. It, it was a fun twist on the typical like, dueling setup. And obviously I love, I'm liking all of the uh, Merrick setup. That's mm-hmm. going good too. And I'm never going to complain about something having a stage magician aesthetic. I think that's a very fun vibe to have. Absolutely agree. I think it's almost always something that I enjoy. It's like, let's do magic tricks. So, ooh, yeah. yeah. So really solid start. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next, you know, episode and a half. See how they wrap it up. I, I obviously, we already know, but it's, yeah, this isn't one where it starts strong and gets worse. I will say it's, it's very consistent, which is really nice. It's great to tell you guys too. And I will say that like, 
what you said, when they started Pandora's tragic backstory reveal, I also was like, is this just Pegasus again? Are we getting another dead wife tragedy? <laughs> She's even blonde, big blonde hair. Yeah, and that would have annoyed me, but then it turns out that it's like actually, that actually there's no implication that she's anything but fine and living her best life doing magician shit with someone else who wasn't a dick to her. So like, that's yeah. totally, I was, I was relieved by that. It's interesting too, it's almost like an anti-sympathetic backstory because you start yeah. and you're like, oh, this sucks, but then you're like, you realize he's actually an even bigger douche than you thought. Yeah, exactly. Which is always really fun when you're like, okay, yeah, this guy has a tragic backstory. Time to have a little pity for him. And you're like, oh, no, he sucks. Actually, he just sucks. I do love a um, dramatically scarred bitch, like the Phantom of the Opera, that kind of thing. He wishes. He wishes he was Phantom of the Opera. Well, oh, no, her name was Catherine. I was like, is it a Phantom of the Opera reference? Because I was thinking, but that's, it's Christine is the Phantom of the Opera. That'd be really fun, though. God, that'd be so good if it was. <laughs> if you present me someone who's like... I'm extremely talented at stage magic and traps and shit like that on the stage. And also I'm horribly scarred under a mask. I think you automatically think of the fan of the opera. Anyways. Yeah, it was good. There's not really anything to talk about for manga differences. Everything is almost exactly the same from the anime to the manga, except for like some of the scenes kind of happen in a different order. Mm -hmm. The Kaiba and Mokuba stopping the guy scene I think it happens earlier. Like, I think it happens before the Exodia duel or something like that. It's, like, not in the same section. It huh. happened before, and um, Mokuba does not... The Anzu and Grandpa looking for... And then Mokuba, like, looking for Yugi underground and Kaiba having tracked mm -hmm. them by GPS and stuff is not in the manga. Well, I actually... I mean, the Teya Grandpa stuff is meh. Which makes sense, because it's like, you could totally cut that out, and it wouldn't change anything about the episode. It's kind of fun filler, though. It's fun to know that Kaiba is, like... Insane. ...keeping tabs on everything that happens. <laughs> Love that, yeah. Acceptable space filler. Good for them. All right, well, we will wrap this up. We will wrap this little duel up next episode. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. For more magic. Bye. Magic battle. Magic battle. Bye. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.